housing is a fundamental human need. Constructing that housing is often a complex undertaking that requires understanding, patience, skill, and foresight. Developing affordable housing can be challenging for sure, but the reward can truly change people's lives. And for that, it's totally worth it. Let us explore that journey with the people doing that work. This is the Housing Development Practitioner's View podcast. Appreciate you joining us for the Housing Development Podcast Season 3. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this season fire, primarily at buildings um, that are either new or being rehabbed. Okay. So um, in, in, in your line of work, your specialty, um, fire safety, um, maybe introduce yourself a little bit, how you became a fireman, how you got into the risk side of things. Just a quick intro would be awesome. I think our audience would love that. Sure. So my name is Nick Mayo. Currently, I'm a senior risk consultant for HAI Group. Um, I work for HAI part-time as a consultant within our risk management department. Otherwise, I am a career fireman with the city of Middletown, Connecticut. Um, originally, right out of school, I started working for HAI full-time in the risk uh, consulting department. Um, always wanted to be a career fireman. I worked for HAI for a couple years while I was testing to become a fireman. Uh, ended up getting hired for the city of Middletown. Um, and a couple of years into the job, uh, an opening came about here at HAI, and they took me back on a you know cons consultative yeah. uh, schedule due to my schedule at the fire department. Yeah. Um, but working for HAI in tandem with working for the fire department, uh, it's what I want to do. So it's been good so far. Outstanding. And um, I'm certainly there's overlap, uh, mitigating risk and whatnot. Uh, I think the goal is not to have fires at sure. properties, but unfortunately they do exist. Um, when you first step onto a property, for example, um, let's paint a scenario for, for the audience. Let's say it's a, uh, it's a newly funded property, uh, maybe foundation is poured, but there's not much going into it. Maybe they call you in and say, hey, Nick, we know you have a fire background, fire safety background, you're a fireman. Um, what do I need to be looking for um, when I work with my team, my, my partners, uh, my contractors, my whatever, uh, as we build out our safety protocols in a brand new building? So no, no existing, existing structure, we can build it into the plans ahead of time. What, what would be the kind of first piece of advice you might give someone? So from a risk management standpoint, um, during the construction of the building, uh, it all starts in the engineering phase. Sure. So from the architects working with the designers and along with working with the housing agency is going to figure out what needs are within their building, what type of occupancy the building is going to be. Is it going to be mixed being, you know, it may have uh, portions that are for housing and other for retail or commercial use. So the type of the building along with the construction is going to determine the fire protection or security features within that building. So a, um, a wood frame building versus a you know, concrete fire resistive building, um, the buildings definitely react differently, um, especially to fire. So fire protection within a wood frame building may be more extensive than in a you know, non-combustible fire resistive building. Yeah. Um, so consulting with their authority having jurisdiction, being the building department, health department, along with their local fire marshal, that's how all of those design parameters are going to come into play in constructing that building. 
Uh, great point. I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. So you, you're talking about wood wood framed versus non wood framed, um, high rise versus low rise. So again, this is a brand new building, so we have the ability perhaps to make adjustments before we actually get um, sticks in the ground and whatnot. Um, let's talk high rise, low rise. Yep. Uh, I know we see a lot of those in um, the affordable. Uh, housing world. Maybe can you talk a little bit about the difference in, in the way you might lay out a fire protocol in say a low rise versus a high rise? So when you say fire protocol, you, you maybe touching on the fire protection features within a building or you can also talk about the evacuation process both. for that building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you can address both, that'd be great. So if we let, typical housing that we may look at will be your two and a half to three story townhouse style buildings for your family properties yep. and then when it comes to the high-rise buildings that's when you get into your elderly and maybe young disabled type population within that building um, a townhouse being a wood frame typically these aren't sprinklered buildings but they will have you know hardwired with battery backup smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors and they may even have you know a fire alarm system so if there's an activated smoke detector the people know uh, within that building that they need to evacuate. Mm. Since they're only a few stories high, evacuating um, those buildings is, you know, it's quicker, it's a little bit easier. Transitioning to a high-rise structure, um, depending on what your authority having jurisdiction's recommendation is, some uh, fire departments may recommend that residents shelter in place, because um, especially in a high-rise fire-resistant building, the safest place for that resident may be within their unit, really? as, long as, as long as it's not one that's affected. Because um, what happens is, there's a, let's say there's a fire on the third floor of a 10-story building, um, the smoke is going to go up. Um, those residents on the fourth floor, once they leave their units and they enter the hallway, they're going to enter the stairwell that might be a smoke condition or firefighters are coming up and you know when they're trying to come down they're in the way there so they potentially could get in the way they may need assistance in evacuating so depending on the layout of the building and how it's built typically in a high-rise structure it's recommended that uh, the residents shelter in place unless it's their unit that's that's affected because then obviously they want to leave the building uh, and leave their unit because it is the one that is affected Wow, that's interesting. I never would have thought of that, but when you lay it out like that, that actually does make a ton of sense. All right, so we've talked um, low-rise, high-rise, kind of standard protocols there. Is there much of a difference if you're called to a property and you see um, um, a rehab unit being um, developed? Maybe it's changing over to uh, different uh, residents moving in. Uh, who knows, whatever the circumstances, but the building already exists. Sure. Um, and they want to address their fire safety um, mechanisms that are already there. Uh, would that be different though in a rehab than a brand new build, or is it ver is it basically the same? And the retrofit may cost more, may 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 take more time. It depends on the scope of the project, but typically, uh, when either a housing authority or a property owner is rehabbing a unit due to a turnover, you know they're not going to change their fire protection features within that unit. Um, you know, they may be doing paintwork or new cabinets or new sure. furniture or things like that. Yeah. Um, but they won't really change the fire protection features within that unit. Um, but if it is a major project within a high rise, such as uh, 
they're retrofitting a sprinkler system due to an, an addition in the building or they had to break through a firewall and now they need to seal it again. Um, the scope of the project and obviously funding dependent is going to determine um, what's needed to be done within that unit. Mm, okay. Um, do you have any kind of uh, recommendations or definitive things that need to be done in a unit? Well, typically when there's turnover, it really depends on, you know, the, the tenant that was in the unit, mm, yeah, true. how they took care of the unit, <laughs> how they maintained it. Um, in this post-COVID world, what we're seeing is a lot of the property managers haven't been able to get in the units on an annual basis like oh, they did before COVID. Sure. So the past two years due to COVID, the units have been pretty locked down. Property managers haven't been able to get in the units. So what we've seen, especially in the as risk consultants and we go on site, is um, some of these units just have deteriorated a little bit and need some attention. Um, if there is tenant turnover, uh, the condition of the unit will determine how much work the agency or the maintenance staff yeah. needs to do. Um, so in saying that, yeah, the scope of the project really determines is determined by uh, the condition of that unit. Sure, okay, I, I mean, that makes sense. Um, when we're talking in unit, we're talking fire alarms, carbon monoxide alarms, mm -hmm. um, sprinklers, I wanna touch on sprinklers in a second, but is there anything else besides fire alarms? Um, fire extinguisher in a unit makes sense or not, not a suggested so policy? So the determination for fire extinguishers fire extinguishers will be based on code. So if code mm. requires them in a building, then a housing authority will be required to have them. Typically in your two and a half story townhouses, your wood frames, um, they're not required to have fire extinguishers versus in a high rise building, depending on the code, you may need one every 75 feet or whatever the code says, and that's gonna be dictated by you know the authority having jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, you know, smoke detectors, will be throughout the units uh, on every level, typically, especially um, you know outside mechanical rooms. So we're talking the basement, the main level, um, the second level of a townhouse style unit, along with outside and inside all the bedrooms. Just mm -hmm. to, and usually they are um, interconnected. So if one goes off, they all go off. That's extremely important because if you have a smoke detector activated in the basement and you're sleeping on the second floor, yeah. you might not be able to hear it. But they're all tied together, so if one goes off, they all go off. When you say tied together, I think most people assume uh, hardwired being yep. the, the standard in practice. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm aware, though, that there is the wireless connections that can be done now. Where, where are you at? Are we there yet? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think so, because that um, we haven't seen it a ton, um, and that really depends on you know um, internet connectivity yeah. and things like that. So I think we're putting too much at risk there. Sure. Um, I mean, if, if the buildings do lose power, it's, it's dependent on um, generator backup power, but that's why uh, detectors nowadays come hardwired, but with a battery backup. So if the building does lose power, there is a battery backup within those detectors, so they will still function. So perhaps uh, it may be a, a new development that has sophisticated uh, IT systems and or technologies that could maybe consider something like that, but for the most part, the hard wire is the tried and true. Yeah, um, hard wire with battery backup, that's what we wanna see. Um, you know, in a pinch, you can get battery operated smoke and carbon monoxide detectors, uh, and then depending on the battery, some last you know, up to 10 years, but you wanna check them. Uh, we always recommend to check your smoke and carbon monoxide twice a year, and the best time to do that is when the times change. 
because it's just yeah. something that you can, you know, when, when the clocks go back an hour or forward an hour, sure. that's the best time of year to say, you know, twice a year, we're going to test the uh, carbon monoxide and smoke detectors in the unit, make sure they're working, make sure the batteries operate, and then uh, go from there and uh, document that inspection. I like that. So for those listeners out there that are property managers, put it on your calendar, you change your times, change your batteries, do your tests. Uh, that is the word from uh, Fireman Nick over here. That's cool. That's good. That makes sense. Um, certainly something we, you don't want to get behind on because I'm sure that could lead to all kinds of issues. Thanks for listening to today's show, and thank you to our guests. If you like what you've heard, please hit the like button. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes right to your